Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we're grateful that you're joining us tonight. We're here every Thursday night to help our viewers to understand Mormon polygamy and the dangers brought to our culture because of Joseph Smith and his polygamy for salvation doctrine. I'd like to make one more reminder to our viewers that are ex-polygamists or soon-to-be ex-polygamists that are we having a, discuss a discussion meeting, a discussion group meeting Monday the 24th, that's this coming Monday at 6.30 p.m. And it's for those who have uh, uh, been in a polygamy group or um, are, are even thinking of joining a polygamy group, for heaven's sakes, come. Um, and if you just want to sit there and listen or if you want to tell your story, but it's very interesting. We have great discussions. Uh, if, for those who have been there in the past, you know, it's the same time and same place. And for those who want to come, uh, grab a friend and come on down. You can email us tv at aboutpolygamy.com for more information. Everyone who is from a polygamist environment is welcome to come and join us. Just listen or tell your story. But we always do have great discussions. And also last week when we ended the show, we were unable to get to all of our callers. And one of the callers we didn't get to asked the question, if the law legalizes polygamy, will the LDS church go back to living polygamy and then claim that they were right after all and that polygamy is from God? Well, it's doubtful the LDS church will bring back uh, polygamy simply because they've strived too hard for too long to try to prove they're Christian and Christians don't practice polygamy. Also, they are self-protective and if they open their membership to polygamy, their polygamy, the polygamy groups would say, see, we were right after all and many would claim their right to infiltrate the LDS church. Of course, they couldn't allow that to happen. It would be chaotic at best. The polygamist would likely expect to, ex uh, uh, to assume a priesthood authority. The LDS would never allow that. Now that may sound odd to you, but the AUB, the All Red Polygamy Group, do believe that polygamy will be legalized and then the LDS church will merge with them and they will be the ones that have the priesthood authority. So it's really a hodgepodge. It's really something that would be a mess and I really don't believe that would happen. By the way, polygamy has not been legalized in December, the court ruling was merely effectively decriminalizing polygamy, but polygamy is still illegal. It's not legal. And our attorney general, our new attorney general, has shown a refreshing respect for the rule of law because he has decided to appeal that judge's ruling that decriminalized polygamy. Tonight's opening statement posed the question, is polygamy biblical or is monogamy biblical? Pro-polygamists always use Abraham and Jacob and King David as examples of God's people in the Bible who lived polygamy. Sometimes they'll also mention Solomon, who is the very worst example for polygamy, a pro-polygamy argument. 
And because God doesn't rebuke these men and he didn't punish them in the Bible, they conclude that polygamy must have been okay with God because he allowed them to live it. There isn't much that could be further from the truth, but there are many more men, godly men, in the Bible who did not practice polygamy than those who are recorded as having multiple wives. Why are they the forgotten monogamous in the polygamous argument, is my question. When they say that they must practice polygamy because polygamy is biblical, why don't they say just as equally that they might not, might not practice polygamy because monogamy is biblical? So tonight we're going to present those men in the Bible, some of those men in the Bible who did not live polygamy. We're going to list them on the screen as we talk about them, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means. There are dozens more names of non-polygamists we could have pulled from the biblical text, but we think we'll make our point with these. The list you'll see on your screen will be in alphabetical order rather than according to their Old Testament or New Testament appearance. And so we're going to start with number one, Aaron. Aaron was Moses' older brother, and God's first Levitical high priest. Number two is Adam. Eve was enough for him. The monogamous, uh, and they were the first monogamous. You know, if polygamy was ever needed to populate our planet, that would have been at the beginning of creation, but that's when God instituted monogamy, not polygamy. Number three, Amos, an Old Testament writer and prophet. Number four, Amran, Moses' father. Barnabas, a New Testament evangelist. Number six, Boaz, Ruth's husband. You know, polygamists in error claim that Boaz was a polygamist. But there's nothing in the Bible that tells us Boaz had more than the one wife, Ruth. Nothing at all. So they, he was not a polygamist. Number seven, Daniel, the prophet of God. Number eight, early Christian church leaders. Uh, they were all forbidden to have more than one wife, and they didn't. And number nine, all the elders and deacons of the early New Testament Christian church, they were forbidden to have more than one wife, and they didn't. Number 10, Elijah, a powerful prophet of God through whom God worked eight mighty miracles and who always upheld God's glory. You might call him a fanatic for God. And then 11, Elisha, another powerful prophet of God through whom God worked 16 miracles and who also held up God's glory and holiness. And you could also call him a fanatic for the truth. Number 12, Eliezer, Moses' son, Ezekiel, an Old Testament writer and prophet, Gershom, Moses' son. Number 15, Habakkuk, an Old Testament writer and prophet, Haggai, an Old Testament writer and prophet, Ham, Noah's son. Number 18, Hosea, the prophet. There are many people who say Hosea was a polygamist, but if you read his story carefully, you will discover that he had only one wife and he did not have more than that. Number 19, Isaac, the father of Jacob. Joseph Smith said Isaac lived polygamy. He absolutely did not live polygamy. He had one wife who was Rebekah. <clears throat> Number 20, Isaiah, an Old Testament writer and prophet. James, Jesus' half-brother and church leader. Japheth, Noah's son. Jeremiah, the Old Testament writer and prophet. Jesse, King David's father. Number 25, Jesus. Jesus was not married. He came to die, not to get married. 
all polygamous and the early Mormon church father teach that Jesus Christ was a polygamist but Jesus was perfect he never sinned he never did anything wrong he never went against a single law of God therefore in view of Deuteronomy 17 17 it would be impossible for him to have been a polygamist because that scripture forbids the king to multiply wives unto himself and Jesus Christ is king of kings and he never broke a single commandment of God Jesus couldn't have been a polygamist and our Savior too so we'll continue on with our list of biblical monogamists number 26 Jethro Moses's father-in-law Number 27, Job, the suffering man of God. Joel, an Old Testament writer and prophet. John, the disciple. John, the Baptist. Jonah, the reluctant evangelist. Joseph, Mary's husband. Joseph, Jacob's son who was sold into Egypt. Joshua, a mighty man of God. Judas, a fake believer in Jesus and his betrayer. Number 36, Levi, a son of Jacob and the only family line from which the priesthood could be inherited. 37, Luke, a doctor and writer of the gospel. Malachi, an Old Testament writer and prophet. Mark, the gospel writer. Matthew, the gospel writer. Micah, an Old Testament writer and prophet. Moses, nothing in the Bible tells us Moses was a polygamist. Even though the polygamists try to force the text to say he was, it isn't there. Number 43, Nahum, an Old Testament writer and prophet. Noah, blameless in the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says. If polygamy was ever needed to populate the planet, it would have been with Noah and his three sons after the flood. Number 45, Obadiah, an Old Testament writer and prophet. Obed, David's grandfather. Paul, the apostle. Peter, Jesus' disciple. Samuel, a mighty prophet of God. Shem, Noah's son. Silas, New Testament evangelist. Timothy, a New Testament pastor. Titus, a New Testament pastor. Zechariah, author of an Old Testament book. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And Zephaniah, an Old Testament author and prophet. Okay, 56 men that we listed here who did not practice polygamy. So the next time someone says polygamy is biblical because Abraham and Jacob and David had multiple wives, remember this list of at least 56 men who did not take plural wives. Monogamy is truly the biblical example for marriage. Obviously, monogamy is biblical rather than polygamy. And we must remember that every account of polygamy in the Bible is a negative story of agitation, unhappy, and sometimes abusive lives. Nothing positive is ever said about the polygamy of those in the Bible who took multiple wives. And there was no Mormon polygamy in those days, no dogma of polygamy for salvation that Joseph Smith introduced. Not everything mentioned in the Bible is okay to do. Rape, lies, witchcraft, murder, and all sorts of evil behavior are in the Bible. But who could ever say they're biblical and that we can do them? There's a woman named Carol Christie from Canada who was caught up in a polygamous cult and was terribly abused while she was there. And she's written a book about her experiences entitled The Prophet. It tells her story of how in the early 1970s, as an innocent teenager 
who led a very sheltered life, she was forced to leave her family and enter into a polygamous, abusive, and deviant relationship with this man that they called the prophet. In 2008, nearly 40 years later, she managed to get out of that polygamy group. Her book, The Prophet, accurately depicts how the women in the group were treated. Well, Carol Christie reveals the degradation and the abuse and the brainwashing that the church wives endured. She exposes the physical abuse, the mental cruelty, the slave labor, and the sexual deviance that took place in this small polygamy group, which is north of Toronto, Canada. And she describes the many opportunities for officials to investigate what was going on, but they didn't because they were swayed by this charismatic prophet. I want to share with our viewers tonight the pain of her heart as she grieved over the son who refused to leave the group with her when she left and whom she is unable to contact or ever see again unless he finally chooses to get out. Perhaps terrifying stories like this will help educate the public that polygamy by its very nature is abusive and should be banned. By permission, I took this information from a blog of Stop Polygamy in Canada. In March of last year, the blog is hosted by Nancy Maresca. Carol Christie escaped the polygamy group, but one of her sons chose to stay behind because of his fear of going to hell if he left. It's his birthday when she writes this. His mother is hurting because she cannot communicate with her son. So from her hurting, she wrote the following lament, and I quote, Happy birthday, son. It's Saturday, February 16th, and he turns 34. He won't hear me say it and won't read my words either. I'm not allowed to be in contact with him in this age of instant communication and freedom. I can't even tell him happy birthday. Of my two precious boys, he is the one who chose not to escape the clutches of the Church of Jesus Christ restored and come with me when I hastily left in the spring of 2008. He was afraid he'd burn in hell if he did. He tried to stop me from going too, but I felt I had no choice. I was afraid that, based on the beatings I had already endured at the hands of the prophet, I would be killed if I stayed. Now it's another birthday. A day for me to feel with my every cell the torment of knowing he's still in there, brainwashed, abused, a victim of virtual slave labor, made to believe that the polygamous lifestyle of the prophet is somehow normal, to accept without question that the word of the prophet is the absolute word of God. It has been a rough week, and my son's birthday is just part of it. I'm feeling desolate inside and afraid that after all I've tried to do, nothing will happen. Maybe, somehow, something will happen. Something? Anything? I leave yet another call on the message machine of an Ontario provincial police detective. It has not been returned. Are they still investigating? What happened to the follow-up interview with them I was told was coming after the holidays? Which holiday did they mean? Christmas? New Year's? Easter? Victoria Day? Canada Day? Which year? I reach out with my contact information. Day after day, I wait for at least an answer or two, the phone remains silent. Hello? Is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Anyone who will have the guts to do something, enforce the laws that are already on the books, put the criminals in jail, and make the future look the slightest bit brighter 
for the ongoing victims of cult religion and polygamy in Ontario, in British Columbia, in Colorado, in Utah, anywhere this disease remains unchecked and flourishing? Can anyone do something for my son? For the love of God, wake up and help. Is there a single solid reason for hope at the end of a really bad week? Anyway, happy birthday, son. Carol Christie, Owen Sound, Ontario. Can you feel the heartbreak that polygamy has cursed her life and her children with? <clears throat> How many more lives must be trashed until something is done to stop the cruelty of the Mormon fundamentalist polygamy groups and the unchecked and complete power they hold over their membership. This is the heritage of Joseph Smith's religion. Please don't just shrug your shoulders and determine this is merely an isolated incident. This is the story of tens of thousands of lives since Joseph Smith that polygamy has ruined families and individuals. Lives in North America, from Canada to Mexico. Families hurt, broken, and striving against each other. Polygamy makes families and then breaks them. What a national tragedy and a religious farce. Women, polygamist women, who are watching this show, you don't have to do this. The biblical model of marriage is monogamy, not polygamy. You can walk away from your polygamous cohabitation this very moment. And God will not punish you for it. He will give you strength and courage to do it and to stand up for what's right rather than what some man told you to do. And if anyone needs help to escape, give us a call. We would love to help you get out. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> During this time when the sister wives has made inroads, have made inroads with the legal system, it's very important to understand and realize what is truly going on behind the scenes in most of the polygamous families. Sister wives is certainly um, different than what most polygamy families are like. <coughs> We're going to take the rest of the show to read emails and uh, viewers' comments and answer them on the air. Sometimes we do that and take more time than normal to do something like this, and I thought tonight that we could share some of the comments that our viewers have been sending our way. <coughs> I received, <coughs> excuse me, I received the following email from a person who had investigated Christianity, then became overly concerned about what others think, and he went back to Mormonism. And these are the ones that particularly break my heart. In part, this is what he said. I doubt there is 100% truth anywhere. The truth has been lost over time as people change the interpretation of the Bible. There are a lot of good Mormons. I know that's hard for you to see. You have been blinded by the bitterness of your past. We all have our free agency to believe what we believe is true. Well, he's right that everyone has the freedom to believe however they choose. That's one of the great things about our nation is our freedom of religion. But freedom of religion, biblically speaking, 
is basically the freedom to go to heaven God's way or to go to hell your way. It's easy to spot someone who is being or has been programmed into Joseph Smith's faith. They stop thinking for themselves and just begin to be controlled by someone else. They ignore or twist the Bible, which was written by the Holy Spirit, while lifting up Joseph Smith's Book of Mormon that he got by hiding his face in his hat. And when they think they can justify that bizarre story, we know that they are in the state of mind control. And that is exactly what's happened to this man. It is sad, and I am so scared for him. They claim we don't correctly interpret the Bible, but they never interpret it correctly themselves. The viewer said he doubted there was 100% truth anywhere. I wonder if he thinks that statement is truth. There's no truth anywhere. Why is that true? Sadly, he really just doesn't get it. Because Jesus Christ told us that He is the truth. And Jesus is the Word of God. And Jesus isn't lost. And God told us and promised us His Word would endure forever. Is God a liar? Jesus told only the truth. He said He came to witness of the truth. Jesus only spoke true doctrine. He explained the only true way of eternal life. He revealed the only true God. How can He essentially call Jesus a liar by saying truth is lost? To know Jesus is to know the truth, the Jesus of the Bible, of course. In denying the truths of the Bible, they are in reality playing the same word game the serpent played in the Garden of Eden when he spoke to Eve and caused her to doubt what God had really said. The Bible tells us that no scripture is up for any private interpretation. What God said he meant, and he meant it the way he said it. We don't get to twist it and to change it or misinterpret it. God used words, understandable words, and certain words mean certain things. And besides, that's a cop-out accusation because he hasn't fully researched it as God has commanded him to do. And he is leaning on his own imperfect understanding rather than trusting God with all his heart. To make it all very simple, the Bible interprets himself itself. Anyone who truly wants God's truth will find it in the Bible and nowhere else. And when we read the Bible and compare Scripture with Scripture, we discover that our questions about certain passages and verses and doctrines are and will be answered in other places in the Bible. It interprets itself. This viewer accused me of being blinded by the bitterness of my past. Why do people think I have a sad life because of my past? And, uh, and by people who've never met me, people who don't know me. And because I expose the deceit and the lies of Joseph Smith, I'm accused of carrying loads of bitterness blamed on my life growing up in polygamy. These strangers accuse me of living a sad and miserable life, saying that's the only reason I'm doing this show because I'm so sad and bitter. You know what? I'm not sad, and I'm not bitter, and I'm not angry, except at false doctrine. 
I'm over it. I've been over it for decades. A long time ago, I gave up the sadness of my past. God has healed me. Jesus has saved me. I have no sad life. I love my life. I am very, very happy and content. Knowing the truth truly has set me free in Jesus. But I have loved ones, family, who were caught up in the lies of Joseph Smith thinking he was a great man, a great prophet, a great husband, and a wonderful father. How can a man do what he did and still be venerated by so many people? He stepped out on his wife dozens and dozens of times. He committed adultery with other men's wives, and he lied and lied about it for years. And both the adultery and the lies are documented in Mormon church history. He threatened damnation to teenage girls if they wouldn't marry him. This is the standard for a good father and a good husband and a prophet of God. This is the man whose religion people choose to follow instead of Jesus. I don't like spiritual deception, but that doesn't make me a bitter person. And I am excited to know the truth and to be able to communicate biblical truths to those who are living in such spiritual darkness. Passion for truth is not anger or bitterness. But you know what? Many of us grieve deeply when the devil keeps the soul from Jesus Christ and keeps that person spiritually blinded to God's truths and twists and demeans the Bible. And that's exactly what every form of Mormonism does, and that includes polygamous. This person also accused me of hating Mormons. I don't hate Mormons. I don't hate polygamous. If I hated them, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, that's for sure. It just, I just like them to go on. If I, if I hated them, I would let them go on believing all those lies that takes them down the road to eternal destruction. But love tells it like it is, tells the truth. And I share these truths with the polygamists and the Mormons who care to watch our show. I do this because I care, not because I'm bitter. And finally, later on, this same person accused me of being a fanatic. And you know what? I really appreciate that. Because being a fanatic for Jesus is quite a compliment. And I am a fanatic for Jesus and for biblical truths, and I'm not ashamed of it. Laugh or scorn at me, I don't care. Listen to what Jesus said to non-fanatics in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. He said, Jesus talking, I know your deeds, <clears throat> that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. So I'd rather be a fanatic contending for the truth than to be cold and rejected by God or lukewarm and spit out of his mouth. So thank you for the compliment of being called a fanatic. And I'd like to ask all our Christians who are watching our show, will you please pray with me as I pray right now for this man? And I'm going to pray. 
our dear God and Savior, we know that you want everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth and so be saved. Would you give this man a very clear understanding of your word? We ask that you would bless him with his own Damascus Road experience. Give him the courage to accept and to stand up for the truth that his heart will be set free in Jesus Christ that you break through his perceived needs of rules and regulations, that he would understand your perfect grace and that all he needs is Jesus. And we all pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And for all of you who prayed for him with me, will you continue to pray for him as God brings him to your mind? And also any others who need prayer that they would turn to Jesus from any sort of false religion. We're going to open up the telephones right now. We would love to hear from our viewers any comments or questions or entering the discussion that you would like to do. Give us a call. Our telephone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. And when you call in, when we get you on the air, make sure the volume of your TV is turned down. And after the telephone lines, we'll take calls or we'll be reading more emails. And right now, while we're waiting the calls to come, we have our message to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. And tonight, we don't have a guest, but we've been talking about how monogamy is uh, biblical rather than polygamy. 
Um, and we also talked about Carol Christie, whose son stayed in a polygamy group in Canada because by leaving he was afraid he would be going to hell, which is what all the Mormon polygamy groups teach us, that that's what will happen if we, <coughs> if we choose to walk away. And the heartbreak it is for families that are broken up simply because they choose to believe differently. I'd also like to remind that our viewers uh, who are from polygamous environments that our discussion group is this Monday, February 24th at 6.30, beginning at 6.30. We have wonderful discussions. Uh, email me, tv at aboutpolygamy.com if you're interested to come and you would like more information. Um, our telephone lines are open now. We would love to hear from our viewers. Uh, if you want to enter the discussion, have uh, questions or comments that you would like to make. And I also have more emails that I would like to read and answer on the air. So right now, it looks like on line two, we have Jeff calling from West Jordan. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Hello, Jeff. You're on the air. All right. Um, so I had a quick question for you. I am, I'm actually a Christian, okay. and I'm, I'm not LDS, but one thing that I was wondering um, that a lot of Mormons really don't ever talk about is that Joseph, and you were talking about this, about Joseph Smith, or talking about how they don't believe the Bible is translated correctly. Mm -hmm. I actually have a book that I got from Utah Lighthouse, mm -hmm. and Joseph Smith rewrote the Bible, and he wrote a correct translation right. of the Bible. That's what he said. Which, mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm just wondering why Mormons don't ever bring that up. Like, why can they say that they believe the Bible as far as it's translated correctly? Or then why don't they use Joseph Smith's translation? Well, that is a good question. That's a question that I've heard many, many times. I've never heard a real good answer to it. I do know that the copyright to, the, to Joseph Smith's Inspired Translation is held by the RLDS, which is the, uh, the Restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Independence, Missouri. Um, so the, the LDS in Salt Lake do not hold the copyright. However, they do use that translation sometimes for reference. Also, I have noticed many, many times when I'm looking at some some doctrine like the pre-existence, for instance, or that there's no marriage in heaven, and I will look in Joseph Smith's translation, and that hasn't been changed in his translation. So It, it isn't continuous. It, it's, it, there's not continuity. Well, that's true. But if you look at the verse where Jesus said that there's no marriage in heaven, and then you look at that verse in, uh, or that passage in Joseph Smith's translation, he, did, he didn't change it. And yet they continue to teach there's marriage in heaven. So there, there's contradiction with that, just like there is with everything else that the, the Mormon church teaches. And um, the same with uh, the polygamy verse, where each man should have his own wife and each woman have her own husband. He didn't change that either, and yet he was the world's greatest polygamist. So I don't get it. I, I've, I don't understand except for uh, most Mormons I don't even know that they realize there is another inspired translation by Joseph Smith. And by the way, mm -hmm. they will often say that he didn't finish the translation and that's why they don't use it. But Joseph Smith himself said he finished it. And, right. and so right. because he said that, then who do we believe? Right, exactly. You know? So there you are. I was also going to say... Um, it's interesting, I mean, how they say that, and where he, he didn't change it at all, saying that there, he didn't change the verse about marriage in heaven. Mm -hmm. But it's also interesting, in the current 
version that the LDS people use today of the Doctrine and Covenants, yeah, it, it's claimed that there's polygamy in heaven at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's also contradictory. If people would just, it really is. If they would just look closely at their scriptures, it would be so contradictory. There's no way. There's no way that God would be the author of that kind of contradictions. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think it is that um, Mormons, they're scared. They, they don't want to ask these questions because there's so much at stake. Their family, their there's, lives, their social. Yeah, there's a lot at stake. And there's, uh, more, yeah, and there's more, more and more Mormons all the time finding out the truth and leaving. And, and the Mormon church won't tell you. They will not tell you uh, that this, as many people are leaving. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds are leaving and, uh, because they're finding out the truth. I wish I could say that for the polygamy groups. I know some of the groups are experiencing a lot of exits, uh, but it's mostly because of treatment rather than because they're comparing Joseph Smith's writings. Right. Right, and that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Jeff. I hope that answered your right. question. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, we have on line three, Christy calling from Murray. Hello, Christy. Yes. You're on the air, Christy. Okay. Hello. What's your, what's your question? This is Doris. You're on the air. What's your question? Hi, Doris. Hi. Um, I just, well, I more have a comment uh, about, I was, I've been raised Mormon my whole life, and um, as I've gotten older and just researched things on my own, I've, you know, as you've talked about all the time, you kind of come to your own truths and realize that, you know, everything you've been taught is, one, it's not backed up, and two, I mean, Joseph Smith was kind of just a big crook, um, just all the things they, they say about him. Um, but my question, what I was thinking about is, what do you think about their policy change on uh, temple marriage now? Well, has it changed? Has the policy changed, or are they just still thinking about it? Well, I read in the paper that, you know, usually if you had a civil ceremony, you had to wait a right. year before you could go through the right. temple. Has the policy now, changed all of a that? sudden, you can do it, you know, in a week. Ha in a week? So they've actually made that change now? So you can well, now uh, go through in a week after you have a civil ceremony, so your parents or your family can be there, yeah. and now you can be filled yeah. in the temple. Okay. Well, it, it's like everything else, Christy. It's like they've changed polygamy, uh, and yet when polygamy was first instituted, it was required for salvation. If you didn't uh, live polygamy, you would be damned. You would go to hell. All the early Mormon uh, polygamous teachers, prophets said that. The same with the blacks and the priesthood, and they, go, they change, and they change, and they change. And now they're changing this, and they're changing the scriptures, and and everything. They just one thing is for sure: it's the most changeable religion on the planet, and and in fact, even in history, it's the most changeable religion. But God doesn't change. So if it was right to do it uh, when they were doing it, where they had the year um, difference, then it was right to keep it that way. If it was right to do it with the week difference, then it was should have been that way before. I mean, the, you just, God doesn't do that. He doesn't change with every shifting shadow. I think it's good. I think it's time that they allowed families into their marriages. I mean, it was way past time to do that. Well, it's still, it's still, um, a shunning, though you you still don't get to be, you're not exalted enough to go into the temple. That's I mean, true. You know, yeah, that's true. Stand outside the gate. Yeah. Um, but I just, anytime you try to argue this with someone, it's so frustrating how there's 
so reluctant to just listen to the facts. Well, and that's true, and that's because they've been programmed to, to not listen to any anti-Mormon. Even when you're telling the truth, they think you're talking anti-Mormon. And of course, I like to say the Bible is the largest piece of anti-Mormon literature on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it is. It, and well, they, maybe I, that's they why they don't like it. They just feel bad about, you know, not reading the Book of Mormon and, and feeling that burning spirit and, you know, oh, you must not be faithful, you must not be asking hard enough. And the biggest um, peace and comfort to me is reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's, I guess this is maybe the feeling they're talking about you're supposed to have when you read the Book of Mormon, but... Um, there definitely is a truth and a love well, um, there. You know, Christy, uh, truth, I mean, we all have feelings, of course. God gave us feelings. But he never told us feelings was the barometer for truth. It is never the standard for truth. We cannot trust our feelings to reveal truth to us. It just isn't. That just can't be. Our feelings but are... For such, for such a long time, you feel like you're not, like, faithful or worthy enough because you don't have this big burning, you know, testimony. But what about the people in the polygamy groups that the Mormon church just does not believe are true and the people in the polygamy groups don't believe the Mormon church is true and both are saying the other is true and even the polygamy groups say the other polygamy groups aren't true and yet they all of them in all these groups are having all these little feelings, all these fuzzy burning feelings that where they're at is true. So how can you use that to determine truth? Well, it's just you like, can't. I mean, obviously with the religion that everything is so um, changeable and, you know, kind of waxes and wanes, I mean, I don't understand how people are so just dead set on that that is the truth. How can it be if it's always changing? Well, it's just like Jesus said, you've got to search it out. You've got to search it out. Uh, Christianity, biblical Christianity is, is faith with the facts, not not blind faith. Jesus does not want blind faith. God does not want blind faith. He wants you to check it out. Thank you, oh, Christy. I think, appreciate I thank you for bringing peace and comfort to my life. And, thank you. Thanks um, for calling. Being on the air to uh, you know hear these truths from you. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate your call and your comments. Bye. And after she made that comment, I think maybe I better read uh, something that someone sent to me um, Christmas time. This little written on both sides in great big red letters and a red marker. And she sent it in a red envelope with little squigglies on the front, making me think that it was a Christmas card that she was sending me. But this is what she said. Doris Hansen. You are a bully. Just as it's not okay in school, it's not okay for you to spit on and make fun of your fellow man just because they aren't like you. I would never want to be you. You were gypped when you got your assignment in life. Now you are making others uncomfortable and sad for you, but you are twisting and defiling truth, and if this is your way of making up for being gypped, it's a rotten way. Sorry you were gypped, Doris, but the things you say are as fake as your jewelry and your wig. Well... I do wear costume jewelry, but what's that got to do with anything? And I swear I've never worn a wig. But so what if I did? 
And if you're treating others the way you want to be treated, we are supposed to treat you as if you're a bully too? And spit on you and make fun of you, your heritage, your beliefs, your life. I don't wish to do that. I just feel sad for you when I see how miserable you are. Laughing at others, it makes me very sad. It doesn't make me want to join you in your misery. I love God and I love my life and who I am. Why must you bully me? Love one another, Rebecca. Well, you know... I think this letter accusing me of being a bully is written by a bully. I don't know who this Rebecca is. I'm not going to honor her letter with very much of a response, but I do want to attend to a few points. As far as I know, I've never bullied anyone. You can turn me off anytime you want because you've got an off button on your TV. I've never spit on her or anyone else, although when I talk excitedly, some things might come out of my mouth. My jewelry is costume. Oh, well, I don't wear a wig. I, and, and don't feel sad for me. And don't assume that I have a sad life. Just like that earlier person said, I was miserable. My life is happy and satisfying. And I'm doing what God has called me to do. But Rebecca, I want to thank you for your letter. Because it just proves once again that this culture habitually ignores the message of truth and shoots the messenger. But it's the eternity of your soul that counts. Your soul, not mine. And I would think that you would care enough to spend time checking these things out rather than sending letters to bully me. Okay, we have on line three, Joe from Ogden. Hello, Joe. Joe. Yes, you're on the air, Joe. Okay, thank you. Doris, could you please clarify for me, you said earlier on the show that uh, it's stated in the Bible, I believe at least three different places, that there's no marriage in heaven. And, uh, of course, the Mormons believe that there is uh, this marriage in heaven. Um, Could you please clarify that for us, please? Well, what do you mean by clarify? I believe it's Matthew chapter 22, uh, where Jesus is talking about, and he says, uh, somebody came up to him and asked him about the, um, uh, the man who had seven wives. And they said, who, whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus said, you are in error. You don't know the scriptures or the power of God, because there's no marriage in heaven. People will be like the angels. There won't be any marriage in heaven. Also in Romans, I think it's chapter 7, it tells us that death completely wipes out the law of marriage. So where's their marriage in heaven? Where does it come from? Jesus didn't tell the lie. I mean, Jesus is God. How could he lie? Jesus is the truth. There's no lie in him. You've got your volume. You need to turn your volume down or we can't hold the conversation, Joe. Joe? Yes, I'm still here. Did you turn your volume down on your television? Yes, I've got it it off. I'm just listening to what you have to say. Okay. Did that answer your question? Yeah, you covered it uh, terrifically. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Joe, for calling. Bye now. Uh Uh-huh, goodbye. 
Okay, our phone lines are open, 801-973-8820, if anybody wants to call in and um, enter the conversation here. Um, I, I'm always curious about why, why people use the Bible uh, to prove certain things in what they believe, and then they refuse to go to the Bible uh, when it regulates the very thing they're talking about. And um, the polygamists, for example, um, they, it's normal for a polygamist to marry sisters, um, they will marry maybe one or two sisters from the same family. A man will have three or four wives and a couple of them will be sisters. <clears throat> and yet Leviticus chapter 18 forbids that. Um, Joseph Smith married four or five pairs of sisters himself, and yet Leviticus fails to do that. Yet Joseph Smith said, the Bible said it's okay to live polygamy. So if, if, if that's the case, then why doesn't he follow the Bible all the way through in the regulation of his marriage? Um, and and I, it's like this man said, there's no marriage in heaven. And the polygamists all believe that there is a man in heaven, if he has several wives, he'll, if he has five wives, he'll have five worlds. And he will be God of those worlds while his wives are eternally pregnant, populating those worlds so that he can have people to be the God of them. Um, and yet the Bible does not um, say that's possible. God says there's no other gods but him. He's the only God that exists. And yet they claim all of these spiritual truths that they can't prove, that they can't prove from the Bible. And it just kind of makes me wonder. I have another email that I would like to read. She said, Doris, or he said, Doris, thank you so much for your show. My wife and I look forward to watching it each week and I cannot get enough of your past shows online. Thank you so, so, so much for your show and your ministry. It has completely changed my life and has brought my family out of Mormonism, mainstream Mormonism forever. I have finally learned about grace and who Christ is and the importance of a relationship with Him and not a religion. We are now Christian and attend a mainstream, non-denominational Christian church. We love it. Your shows have inspired me to be a better person and teach me each week how to be a better Christian. My wife and I started to investigate our Mormon faith after the bishop called us in, in for a year-end tithing settlement last year. When we told him we didn't want to meet with him and would rather not say <coughs> if we did or didn't pay a full tithing this year, he demanded our temple recommended be turned over to him. I could not believe that he did this. To me, it was complete extortion, and I realized if there were any real blessing that existed in the LDS temples, God would want all to share in them regardless of financial statutes or righteousness. I started to investigate tithing, then temples, and then everything else. I've learned so much, and I'm now free in Christ. We are so much happier and closer to our Savior every day. Your show has helped us immensely in this transition process from Mormonism to Christianity. I am now Christian and live my life as such because of your program. Thank you. And signed, Loyal Listener. And you know, these are the emails that makes it worthwhile. I can take these kinds of emails every day of the week. But when I get these kind, it's a blessing because I know it's helping. I know there are people who check things out. And when we bring things up on the show, <clears throat> we always bring references. People say I'm anti-Mormon, and yet my references all come from Mormon history. 
and from Mormon books, from Mormon church's own books, from the polygamy history that they know is true. And these people checked it out and they found out they'd been deceived in the Mormon church. So thank you for sending this letter. Okay, we have on line one, Kathleen from Salt Lake. Hello, Kathleen. Hi, Doris. I'm so glad to talk with you again. I did several years ago. Um, I wondered if you happened to catch Dr. Phil today. I did. The show on polygamy. I did. I thought it was exceptional. It was good. And, yes. uh, Typical. And, but I also wanted to tell you that um, I love so that you're doing this substantive uh, biblical information. It's so helpful to me to literally be able to see what it, what you had there with names of those that in the Bible that did not practice polygamy. And whenever you have these shows where you have that real intense uh, informative stuff, it helps me so much. Oh, good. Because I think that in my life I I miss that. Mm-hmm. And okay. so it was really more. I wondered what you thought about Doctor Phil today. It was good. It's good to see these things come out in the public, and even her father coming on and and, and twisting and tweaking the the reality of what really happened. Uh, it was interesting and, and typical. Yeah, it was great. And the way that Doctor Phil used uh, the words that he, the verbiage that he had used in in some of his communication as about transactions with these women yeah. being given mm-hmm. to, uh, it was fabulous. Anyway, I was yeah. hoping you'd see it. Yeah, and that's what women are in polygamy groups. We're transactions, we're commodity, we're just trading. I know just recently from uh, uh, a polygamy group, particular group, where they're just trading girls. If you'll do this, I'll give you my daughter, you know? And these girls are, yeah. are 15, 16 years old. It, 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 yeah. It's just so hard to believe. And, and I think your show and, and that show he gave today are particularly good. In, in helping us with our mind control, because we're all under the influence of mind control through media and magazine and all mm-hmm, types. Mm-hmm, so yeah. thank you so yeah. much for what you share with us. And mm-hmm. you're a very brave, courageous girl. <laughs> well, I thank you very much for your phone call. Good night. Okay. Okay, good night. Yeah. And I don't know about being brave or courageous. I know God is the one who's opened up the opportunities that I have, and I'm very grateful for that. I know when I finally found out the truth, I was so excited to finally know the truth. And I hated it that I had been lied to all my life. And I swore that I would never be lied to again about religion, ever again. And so I started to dig, and I dig deep, and I dug, and I dug, and I discovered the truth, and I discovered all the polygamy in the Bible and why it was there. And we've done shows talking about polygamy in the Bible and what it was all about. And I discovered that God never, ever commanded polygamy, ever. Nor did he command the word of wisdom, nor did he command so many of the other things that I was taught when I was growing up in the polygamy group. You know, we're getting to towards the end of the show. Michelle is on the line from South Jordan, but Michelle, I don't have time. If you want to leave a message with the operator, I would be happy to call you back if you would like. And so my closing comments, I recently... read a comment made by someone who was responding to those who think that they know what God would or wouldn't do. They often say they can't believe in a God who would do blank. 
well, or they reject a God that would think or react in a way other than the way they would think or react themselves. We hear that kind of reasoning frequently and maybe even have said it ourselves in the past. But do we consider that maybe God's sense of justice is perfect and His understanding and mercy are perfect and that we could be the ones who are flawed? When we make statements like, well, God wouldn't do this or that, do we understand that we are actually putting God's actions in submission to our imperfect reasoning? Yet that's what we hear from those who doubt the biblical God, they doubt His biblical gospel, and His biblical hell. A loving God, they say, won't send anyone to hell. He loves us too much. Well, we will never downplay God's love. The cross of Jesus Christ proves God's love for us, but the cross also proves God's hatred for sin in each of us. God sends no one to hell. People choose to go there by rejecting God's testimony of Himself in the Bible and following their own way rather than following God's way. God won't change to suit us, and the only way we will ever get into God's heaven is by giving ourselves completely to God and bypassing church religion. It is God's heaven, and He gets to say how anyone gets there, and we don't have the option of changing it. So if that's where you want to go, then you got to do it His way. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.